But I'm going to read some scriptures for you this morning. By the way, thank you for your offerings. As Brother Willie said, I'm not a rich man, okay? I'm going to be waiting at the end of the month just like most everybody in here probably is. Thank you for the offerings, whether it was a nickel or whether it was a million, it doesn't matter. Thank you. Your prayers are everything. Money can't buy prayers. Money can't buy the favor of God. Money can't lead me into situations or, or, or the words. I mean, I was just with somebody the other night asking my advice, and the whole time I'm sitting with them, I'm thinking, all right, you're older than me, and I don't have this experience that you have, but you've come to me as a pastor. So what did I do? I'm listening in one ear to, to this person, and the other ear I'm listening and talking to the Lord, saying, Holy Spirit, you know what they need. If I'm the vessel to use, you've got to give me the words because I don't know. You see, that's how it goes. That's how every day is. Don't know where I'll be tomorrow. Don't know who I'll be seeing tomorrow. I know that he knows. And follow his lead and what he leads us to. So thank you so much for, for the offering. We will be putting it toward ministry. Next week we'll be gone. Uh, we'll be here Sunday morning, but Sunday night we'll be gone. Going to a conference that Brother Shaw has asked us to go to. So we'll be leaving after church Sunday morning. I'll be back sometime Wednesday night. I don't know if I'll be back by church time Wednesday, but you know what? We've been doing something here that we've got plenty of people qualified. You can get taught. You can get fed. And that's what it's about. It's about all of us working. It's about all of us getting done what needs to be done. You know what? Because if there's 100 people sitting in here this morning and 100 people are prepared and ready to minister as the Spirit leads them, that means we can minister to 100 or 200 people. It's that simple. If there's three or four doing the work, what you see is what you got. And God don't lead them, right? You're not, you don't come unless what? You can only come through Christ, but you only come unless the Father calls you. Father places us where he wants us, how he wants us, and we thank him for that because he does know best. Father definitely knows best. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise right now and we'll get started. Now we're going we're to play a guessing game this morning. I want you to figure out the subject by the time, or at some point, you can yell it out, okay? We won't be out of reverence or nothing because I want you to see if you can figure out, and, don't, and there's no wrong answer, so if you say it, it just won't be the one I might be thinking of. But that's okay. Holy Spirit might be ministering you in another way. But I'm going to read some scriptures, and you, if I read these scriptures off, you can mark them down. You might want to use them later and reference them later. Tell me what you think the subject is. Because, see, I never give Pastor Charlie any notes. I never give him the name of a message. He just has to listen to it and figure it out. Because I don't usually have anything like that. But you tell me what this is about this morning. Oh, let me get my cheaters out. Turning 50 soon, so. I know some of you are older than me, some of you ain't, but it is what it is. I can't see. 50 is young. It was old when I was 25. It's young now. 75 ain't looking too bad neither if I make it. <laughs> Hebrews 11 and 7 it says, By faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Anybody have any idea what we're going to talk about this morning? No, that's not right. See, Brother Willie, he didn't mind stepping out, but that's not where we're going. So I'm going to read some more. Don't, Brother Willie, don't hold back, okay? 
John chapter 2, verse 2. Now Jesus, now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now can you imagine calling your mama a woman? When you're Jesus, you can get by with it. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And he took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, he did not know where it came from, in parentheses, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man in the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have all well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This, beginning the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. What are we talking about? What is our subject matter this morning? Wow. That's exactly right. That's good work, guys. See, the word of God is good. It's called full obedience. Not partial obedience, but full. I'm going to read some more for you, okay, that will go along with it so you can keep this. In Matthew 21 and 28, said, But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work in my vineyard. And he said, and he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two, now this is a parable Jesus given to, to the rulers, which of the two did the will of his father? And they said unto him, The first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. That's pretty hard words, isn't it? For John came to you in a way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but tax collectors and harlots believed him, and when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. It's talking about obedience again. One son was obedient and one wasn't. They what he was telling them was, see, guys, you're smart enough to get it. You're just not applying it. Okay, that's, that's layman's terms. That's basically what he was saying. Y'all knew what was going on, and you've just proven by this parable that you get it, but you don't get it because you're not applying it. That's what he's telling them. All right. Now we'll go to Luke 6 and 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? We call him Lord, but not obey. Then uh, that's, he's asking us there's a problem there. That's what the Lord is showing us that there. In James 1 and 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If we just hear the word and we don't do, then we can be in church. We can dress up. We can teach a Sunday school class. But if we ain't applying this to our lives, James is telling us, or actually the Lord is, it's just in James, that's a reference point, telling us, you're deceiving yourself. What a bad place to be in is to be deceived. All right. Psalms 111 and 110. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, 
You want wisdom? Be afraid of God. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. You see, God wants obedience. You want to be impressive to God? You know what He's impressed by? Full obedience. He's not impressed by anything else. Brother Danny, you're a pretty good guitar player. God's not impressed by that. If he doesn't have your heart and he doesn't have obedience, he can't use you. You can be the best speaker in the world. God can't use you if you're not obeying him, if you're not obedient to him. God has a plan and a purpose. Amen. Hasn't he from the beginning? And, and sometimes we can miss out on that. But he's looking to us for obedience. You see, we've been talking for the last months about God's eternal rewards. We've been talking about all kinds of subject matter. But this came up this week, as I, or the, a couple of weeks ago, as I was looking through some paperwork and stuff. It started just getting into my spirit and going. Now, last Sunday night, we talked about, in Galatians, we talked about um, the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, now the fruits of the Spirit, we know that we can have gifts, right? And those gifts can be messed up. We showed that the other night. Last Sunday night, Brother Danny got up and he played, what was it you played? Just a little riff of Sweet Home Alabama. Everybody knew what it was. But that was God's talent that God had given him, but it wasn't being used for him. That was, I asked him to do that. Why? Because we'll go to the concerts, and the guy in the concert might have been locked up for beating his wife and doing all this and that and been drunk and drugged up, but they get him out just in time to make it to the concert, and we go pay the money for the ticket, and we look at that because they have one type of walk, but they don't live it. That was the subject matter. We want to go to the NFL football game and play, and we want the guy to get out because we want our team to win, and he's very good. And the night before, he had to take a drug test so they could make sure he wasn't cheating, and he beat his wife up. But we don't worry about that. We look at it, and that's the problem with the world today. That should never be the problem with the church. Never. And so we looked at it and said that these fruits, the first one is love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we know that love bounds. Love is everything. We learn that you can have gifts that God gave you. You can have spiritual gifts, which is in the previous chapter, that you cannot use according to God. Am I right? Is that an amen or not? Because I'm going to ad-lib it for you. If you want to pull it up, Ken, and you can. But he, he goes in 1 Corinthians 13, and he says, You know what? If I speak in tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am a, a clanging symbol and a, a sounding gong. So that tells me that we can have that gift and it not be used right. So we have to be careful with those things. And he mentions other things, but the point is, is if you got love, that's the first thing in the fruit. And against the fruit, there is no law. There's no way that that happens. That just gets nurtured and grown in our lives as we're growing. And so the first thing is love. If you don't have the love, you're not going to have joy. You're not going to have peace. You're not going to have long suffering. You're not going to have those things. But you got to have love. Love has to be there. And so that's what we were looking at. And this gets us to the place of the obedience. So he wants pure obedience with us. In Galatians 5 and 16, if you want to go there. And said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. 
as you walk through this life, you're always going to have the flesh and the spirit. Which one overcomes? Which one do you listen to? Which one do you follow? That's why the Bible tells us to renew our minds daily. Well, stuff can happen and you can get weak in your spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You wonder, well, what am I getting done? And you start questioning God. That's exactly where the devil wants you, is to question God. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. That's how sin entered into the world. That's how he starts manipulating us like we're a couple of puppets. So we don't want the devil to have that kind of control over us. And he tells us to walk in the Spirit. Now, let's think about this for a minute. He's talking about walking in the Spirit. If I, I'm, I'm, you know, right now I've got a walk that's happening and it looks like it's in the Spirit, right? I'm preaching, I'm dressed up in a suit, I'm on the platform, we're in a church, we had church music this morning, we're reading from the Bible, and that looks like a pretty good walk. But living in the Spirit is a whole nother thing. That's what happens whenever you ain't in front of everybody. That's when you're sitting with your sweat britches on watching NFL football. That's whenever you're at the store by yourself. That's when you're on the riverbank by yourself. That's whenever you're wherever you are by yourself or maybe with your close loved ones. That is where the living in the Spirit comes. It's easy to walk it. It's easy to, you know, you know, all you got to do is just put an act on for two hours on a Sunday morning. You know, if church is your thing of Sunday morning and that's it, all you got to do is put the act on for a, for a couple hours and then you need to go let your hair down. You understand what I'm talking about? And that's not what needs to be happening with us. We need to be walking also. How do we walk? What is that walk? It's also talking about obedience. That is being obedient to God. And so... How do we, you know, walking by the Spirit? Look at the Spirit. In, in the Hebrew, the word is called ruach. And it basically means the breath of God. It's wind. Wherever the wind is blowing is how you'll get pushed. You ever watch Jim Cantore on, a, on, you know, in South Florida when Hurricane Hugo or whatever is coming through? And, you know, he's standing there leaning into the wind and he's bouncing back and forth, but he's leaning into the wind. It's the same thing. When the Spirit is the one that's moving and taking us we need to go we don't have to fight against it it's comfortable have you ever had a time that there's been something that might be spiritual there was something that you prayed about but it hasn't been with the spirit why because the love and the peace and the joy just ain't there why because you're going against the spirit you're listening to the flesh we can't listen to the flesh if you turn around and let that wind be at your back you get to move along easy I flew from California one time and the pilot comes out and whenever he's, the flight is late. Why? Because they got a tremendous headwind. It took longer to fuel the plane up to get us back and it was rough and choppy. But whenever they picked us up and we came back east, it went by quick. It was smooth. Why? The wind was at the tail pushing us. It's the same thing. When we walk in the spirit, it's so easy to just follow him and let him lead. We don't have to make plans for the Spirit. Amen? How many times have your plans gotten messed up and then all of a sudden you're messed up in your life? Or you know somebody? How many times has that happened? How many times do we see that kind of thing happen? And so we look and we think about that. 
but if we let that spirit lead us. Let me tell you something else about the spirit. He will lead you in some places that ain't comfortable. He took the Hebrew children out of Egypt, and where did they go? They went to the wilderness. What was in the wilderness? Dirt, sand, cactuses. Cactuses or cacti, which is it? I don't know, it doesn't matter. But sometimes we have to go through a little bit of a wilderness experience to hear from God. And the Spirit leads us there. Didn't that happen with Jesus? Didn't he have to go into the wilderness for 40 days? Who drove him there? The Spirit. And so he was being obedient to the Spirit. The Spirit led him there rather than him kicking and screaming and saying, I'm not going. He went. And the Lord ministered to him. You see? Sometimes whenever we get into the wilderness, when we get into the desert, the dry place where there ain't nothing to distract us, don't have to be at school at a certain time, don't got to go pick the kids up here, don't have soccer practice, don't have baseball practice, don't have football practice, don't have band practice, don't got it all. And you only have so many hours in a day. Next thing you know, God, he's not getting any attention. When God's not getting any attention, our spirits are not getting any attention. Woo. When our spirits aren't getting attention, Satan is like that roaring lion seeing whom he can devour. So the spirit's not always going to push you into a good place that you, what we call good, but sometimes we've got to get away from all the distractions so that the spirit of God can talk to us. Obedience is what we're talking about. Do we obey God? Do we obey him and listen to him? Do we let him lead us no matter what the circumstances may or may not be? It's a good question, isn't it? But pneuma. Pneuma is the word in the, in the, in the New Testament. It's where we get the word pneumatic. It's air-operated things. That's all that is. It's talking about the Spirit. He, he's the one that pushes us. He's the one that takes us where we need to go. We need to be obedient to him. Last week, we were at a thing in Roanoke. It was a leadership conference. And I'm going to get a little bit personal this morning. I hope that's okay for me. It's not to, I'm not looking for anything. All I want is to share my testimony. Last Saturday, we were there at the leadership conference. Brother Murphy had been asked to preach about tithing and obedience and those kinds of things. And so he called me up, and I'm like, oh, boy, what am I in for now? The front row was open, and I was sitting back with everybody, you know, all of our people. But he wanted to use that as an example. Not that I'm, and once again, do not read anything into this. What I am telling you is for God's glory, okay? You need to get that. This is for God's glory. But he proceeded to tell them about how that I was called into ministry, how I answered the call from God, how I sold a house, how I left a good job, all these things so that he could say that is what the calling of God is on your life. And when you answer it, you don't look back. You can't look back. You can't think about these things, and that's what the call will be. God may ask you to step out of a place of comfort. That was what he was using. And I don't know how it went over, but it is what it is. I give God the testimony. I give him the glory because since I became a Christian, my mom and dad got saved and they're now in heaven. 
That was well worth it. It's not any amount of money that's worth my mom and dad's soul not being in heaven. Period. There's been some others, I think, that's gotten saved. I know that's gotten saved. There's been some other growth that's happened. That's happened inside of the back rooms. That's happened in these places that nobody knows, but God knows. There's been some prayers that have gone up that everybody don't know about and don't need to know about, but God is working and He's working in His time. And we have to let the Spirit lead us. And we were sitting yesterday at the meal, the men's meal, and me and him were talking about that. And he said, I hope you didn't mind. He said, I just want to get people to see that sometimes we've got to follow the Lord. And he said, what a sacrifice that was for you. And I said, brother, you don't know the half of it. You see, I'm turning 50. I get to retire and get my state retirement here in like 40-some days. I'm not leaving. Not until Jesus says so. You need to get that, okay? I'm not telling you that for this. When Jesus said go, I go. And I go where he says. But I'm entitled to that. That's what I worked for. But the day that I signed the paperwork in 2011 to freeze my retirement, I knew right then that it was a price. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? It was a price. And this is not, I'm going to read another scripture to help bring this home, I hope. I knew then that fall on my face or not fall on my face, of course, if I hang on to him, there's no such thing as falling on your face. Now, he may have a desire that you die homeless and broke. But you know what? He's the king of glory, and he gets to call the shot. I'm bought with a price. I belong to him. And he may have a desire that I die rich. I don't know. I'm not chasing after money. If I was, I'd have never stepped out of it because in about 40 days, I could sit on my porch and go fishing and do what I want, watch bugs fly, sleep, or whatever. But I told him, I said, you don't have a clue the whole idea. The church has compensated me great. It's been wonderful. And I love you for every dime that you've given toward me and to me and to my family. But I, as I said before, I covet your prayers. But when I did my paperwork and filled it out, I'm going to share something with you. And it's not for like for the next two years or ten years or five years. Whenever I said yes to Jesus... I walked away from almost $3,000 a month for the rest of my life. Do you understand what I just said? And she was in on the, the conspiracy too. She was in on it too because we talked about it and we prayed about it. And it hit her worse simply because when I die, the, the hazard duty pay leaves if I die before her. But we did this saying, we're going to trust you, Lord. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm talking about full obedience. Because if I was about the money, I'd have said, oh, y'all hold on. Give me five more years, and then I can do whatever you want. And if it works, it works. If it don't, it don't. But I trust him. But you see, it's not about the sacrifice. I want you to understand that. Do you remember a fellow by the name of Saul back in chapter i got to look. I'm not as scholarly as I should be. Chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. You remember a fellow by the name of Saul. He was, didn't want obedient to God. You remember he told him to go in and wipe these people out and kill them all. 
Kill all their animals, kill all the bugs, kill everything. There's nothing left about these people, and he didn't. And Samuel comes along, and he looks at him, and he says, Hey, I'm hearing all these sheep bleating, and I'm hearing these oxen doing what they do. What's oxen do? They can't move or something. But (laughs) I'm hearing all this stuff going on. Where's it coming from? He said, Well, we took the best and kept it. No, God told you to destroy it. He told you to wipe it all out. No, well, we took the best of Kevin. We figured we'd sacrifice to God. You see, sacrifice is a part of that obedience, folks, but we can sacrifice and not be obedient. Do you understand? We can sacrifice and not be obedient, and we'll, you know, we'll have the pity party. And that's why I wanted to share that. It's not a pity party. I do it all over again. I trust Him. I know what he's got in store. Every soul that's been saved because of the ministry that I have, I give him the glory for it. And it was worth it. There is no price on a soul. Amen? Amen. We need to be excited about that. There is no price. People need to hear about Jesus. People need to be saved. People need to be lifted up when they're down. This has to happen. But what did he do? In verse 22, he says, So Samuel said, How's the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as sacrifices? As in obeying the voice of the Lord. You see, obeying the voice of God way outweighs sacrifice. Because if we ain't careful, we take the sacrifice and we start putting it to what is more and what's less. Somebody that has absolutely nothing and gives $10 in an offering plate, in their heart they've given more than somebody that has a lot and gave $10 but it had to do with the heart. You understand what I'm talking about this morning? It's talking about obedience to God. And believe me, I know, I've sat in the living rooms and at the coffee tables and had the And sometimes it's a hard place to do. It's a hard thing to bring that truth home. Sometimes it is difficult to do that. But we have to be obedient to God and listen to what God says. You, as believers, need to be obedient to God for what God says and where he's leading you to. A.W. Tozer said, and I think this thing just died, so here we are. Let me go, orange boys. I might want to walk. A.W. Tozier said, Have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late? Let's stop at that statement right there. Have you noticed that? Have we been praying for revival? I don't know. Have you or haven't you? I mean, you know whether you have or not. I've been praying for revival. We've been seeing a little sparks of revival here and there and yonder. But we pray for revival for our nation. Are we ready for God to take us on the road that we need to go on for our nation? Are we? Are we ready for the Lord to do what he needs to do for our nation, for our churches in our nation, for the church worldwide? Are we ready? Are we ready? And how little revival has resulted, he says. How true that is. How little revival has resulted. Considering the volume of prayer that is ascending these days, rivers of revival should be flowing. 
Now, we press prayer. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to be praying. Right on your prayer request, stick them in the box back there, leave them on your seat. I don't care. We're going to pray. There'll be somebody here tonight. Usually there's about 30 or 40 of us here. I invite every one of you back to come and pray tonight with us. Because that's the most important service we have, by the way, is the prayer one, in my opinion. Because a lot has been done. A lot of answered prayer has happened. Some of it has taken a long time to answer, but God, you know, he's got his timing. We just got to be obedient and hang on. He said, but revival should be flowing. That no such results or evidence should not discourage us. We should not be discouraged because of that. Rather, it should stir us to find out why our prayers are not answered. I said that Sunday night, we got these little babies of Danny's and Allison's that has this skin condition. And I'll tell you, I ask God every day, not being mean with God, but saying, what is it? What did Peter and Paul have as far as obedience went that meant the difference that they touched and somebody healed and I touch and we come back next Sunday and do it again? I've been asking God those questions because that's why when we don't see the answers to those kinds of prayers, we need to be looking and seeking God and saying, what's wrong? Amen? Because he's not a respecter of, 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 of persons. So it doesn't matter what happened in first century church. It doesn't matter what happened in the 14th century. It don't matter what happened 14 years ago. What matters is, is he is who he is. He is who he said he is. He is the great I am. And he changes not. And he's not a respecter of persons. So that makes me ask that question. You see, I told you, I think different than most folks. I like asking God these questions because I think we'll find answers. But he says here, A.W. Tozer says, I believe that our problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying. And, in, and it simply will not work. You see, all God is looking for is full obedience. He is looking for full obedience. And full obedience, let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, it will take you out of your comfort zone. I'm a living testament to it. It will take you out of your comfort zone. And I, like I said, I'm not looking for pats on the back and pity. I'm telling you what God did in my life. And I don't know what tomorrow holds. All y'all get mad and leave tomorrow and it's over. I don't know. But I know this. As long as it's in me, truth is going to come. It's going to come out of that word. And if we're sitting one-on-one, -on -one, I'm going to say, what do you want to do, Lord? And you know what? Truth's going to come. My prayers have come out right. But sometimes I find out not, a lot of folks don't want to hear truth. They don't want truth. Because the truth will set you free. The truth will expose things. The truth will bring some things at you. See, I'm working on something now God's give to me, and I don't want to do it. You understand what I'm talking about? I was in a place not long ago, and it's amazing how God can put you in places where you, nobody thinks you're at. And I just happened to be in a place and got to hear something. And God reveals things. And I'm working on something now that he's got me on, and I don't want to do it. But I got to. You understand what I'm talking about? It's not always comfortable. It's not always going to be the greatest thing in the world. It's not always going to feel right. But I'm going to tell you that obedience will always Take us out of our comfort zone. You like being comfortable? Then don't try to be obedient to God because he'll take you out. Full obedience will always involve some risk. 
I'm living a testament of it. I'm walking in risk. Do I please the men or do I please God? If I please God, then is he going to take care of me? Amen. He will, trust me. He will take care of you. If you try to please men, you'll always be in that circle. It never gets done. It never gets fulfilled. You please God. That's where a full obedience comes. It's easy. You sleep good at night when that happens. Full obedience will always, it's always a hard alternative. There's always an easier way, Brother Ben. There's always an easier way, but sometimes God says, no, we've got to go through this valley. We've got to go through this wilderness, and I need you to walk with me because I need you to see that I have everything under control. I want you to see that I am the one that's going to receive the glory. That's what God is saying, and I will get you through it, and when we get to the end, you'll be able to look back and say, look what the Lord has done. We sing a song, don't we? Sometimes we like singing that song, and we get happy. We might dance around a little bit. But we don't like going through the stuff that takes us there. And full obedience will always make you glad that you did so at the end of it. That's what we're talking about this morning. Jesus said, you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I say. You see, we can hear what the Word says, but the Word doesn't tell me. It doesn't tell me what kind of truck to buy tomorrow. It doesn't tell me, it didn't tell me who to marry. It didn't tell me about sweetie. It just said, marry a godly woman. I wasn't even in the Bible at the time. I wasn't doing all that. But the Word, it's listening to the Spirit. He's the one that will lead us, right? What are we going to do as a church in the next two years or in the next five years or in the next week? What is our plans? Where are we going? What are, what are, we, what are we finding out from God that we want to do? Well, the thing is, is we've got to be able to follow the Spirit. And when you're following the Spirit, you will meet up against opposition. Remember what I said. If you're going with the Spirit, you're going to be leaning in because you're going against the world. The world's going to be pushing back. The world's going to be trying to stop, but you've got to follow the Spirit. Otherwise, you do something that they know of in Jersey called do-overs. Have you ever known somebody their whole life has been a do-over? They just never get it right? Hey, I was that way for 36 years. God was knocking on my heart's door. Thank God I got one do-over right. Otherwise, I'd have still been going through do-overs. I think he was answering Grandma's prayers. Do-overs. You like seeing miracles, folks? We like testifying about them. We like being a part of them. Hey, I got to pray with this, and we know we didn't do anything. But we like being obedient to God. We like seeing miracles. I want to take you back to one piece of Scripture. The very first miracle that Jesus did was in John chapter 2, verse 5. We just read it. You ready for this? And his mother said to the servants, who are the servants? Us. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. It's that simple. Do we want revival? Do we want to see homes repaired? Do we want to see sicknesses taken away from people? Do we want to see these things? I'm asking you, do we want to see these things, church? Then whatever he sa says for you to do, do it. That's where the miracle comes from. You realize he made, what, between 120 and 180 gallons of wine out of that water that day. That's how Jesus started, but it took with these people being obedient. 
It wasn't some kind of service that made us feel good and made us clap and walk away with the same stuff. No, it was being obedient. It didn't have to do with the prayer service tonight. That prayer service, we can be disobedient with God and still be in prayer and looking right, looking okay, looking, thinking of when we don't see the results of it, that's when we need to be saying, Father, what do I need to do? And I promise you, he'll give you that answer. He will give you that answer. The question is, what do we do with it? Amen? You got a song in your heart? Obedience. Full obedience is what God's seeking. The first part that you said that you were obedient about was whenever you got saved. If you're saved, if you're not saved, then that's your first step. Because God's not working on your behalf any other way. But you got things that you might be dealing with right now. Maybe you've been asking God to step in and make a difference in your life or maybe into a loved one's life. Have you ever thought about why is my prayer not being answered? This could be the answer. Disobedience. You see, we can, you know, it's easy not to murder. I ain't never killed nobody. I can keep that command pretty good, I believe. I even believe if somebody did something to my family, I could probably keep that one. Now, five years ago, I couldn't have told you that because I'd probably went hunting. But as we grow, I'm not going to steal anything. I'm not a thief. That was pretty easy to keep. I'm not going to commit adultery. I've got a wonderful woman here. And I'm not going to cheat on God, and I'm not going to cheat on her. That one's pretty easy to keep. It's pretty easy to do these things. Well, I'm being obedient. But are you being obedient when God says, stop to this or stop to that? You know, it's easy for me. I don't have the I don't have the liquor and wine in my house. It's not a problem for me. So I can say I'm obedient. But when God says, Hey, preach this word tomorrow, and I'm like, I can't preach this word tomorrow. Because this week, you know, me and Carson just had the conversation. Now he's going to think I'm talking about him. Oh, no. You have to follow God. Well, they won't like it. Oh, no. You have to follow God. Because the truth, Slim, what you're going to give them at the racetrack, brother, it might be the very thing that's going to set them free. And God's saying, I'm just looking for somebody that's going to be obedient. You're not going to rub them the wrong way. You're not going to fluff them up and puff them up. No, you can give truth, the truth that sets free. You understand, church? You understand what we're talking about this morning? We want to see all the healings, and we have the testimonies. I believe God done something wonderful in Sweetie's life, and he's going to do something wonderful in this lady's life, and it's going to be for his glory. We got Herschel sitting over here, you know, bad back, and he got through surgery fine, doing good. See, Berkeley's up walking about. We have the testimonies of what God has done. We have them, but there's more. There's more. So I ask you this morning to stand to your feet, and as they sing a song, let the Holy Spirit search your heart.
Let him search your heart and let him do the work. You know, he, and you know what? Let's get, let's get something clear real quick. I ain't get a person you can see. I said this Sunday night. You can praise God by doing this and not even singing. You're just in the moment. You can praise God with a little halfway wave. You can praise God with the big old wave. It's not about the position. It's about the heart. You can talk to God and you can scream at Him and you can get a church-steepled voice and, and quote the scripture in old King James. Or you can sit there and talk to God in a silent and still voice and it's still just as powerful. You can come to this altar which is nothing but a platform that has been built. It's not sacred. Sacred is where God is. And it can be on the mountaintop. It can be down the basement of your house. It can be at this altar or it can be in your seat where you're at. God will meet you wherever. You know why? Because the Bible, this, this is not the Bible but I got one on here. And I have one to hold up. This is God's love letter to you and me. And he's not sitting there waiting for us to mess up. He's saying, I, I want to take you to the next level. I want to do some things through you that just it's going to blow everybody's mind. But he can't do that until our hearts are right. Otherwise, we get conceited and puffed up. That's what the rest of Galatians, you go on down there and talks about that. See, if you've got the right spirit and the right fruit is there, those kinds of things don't happen. And God gets the glory. So this morning, search your heart. Let the Lord search your heart. And you got a need this morning, bring it to him. Because you know what? Just like with me, I'm coming here every day. I'm doing every day excited to see what God's going to do. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't need to know. All I said was, here I am. And I've got to see some pretty amazing things. And I've got to walk through some pretty bad places too. You all know some of the stories. I've got to walk in some bad places. You know, before you become pastor, you start getting phone calls with the warnings of this and of that. Yeah, I saw right then. I said, Lord, you know, you got to help us. You understand what I'm talking about? We have to be obedient to God, and it has to take place in the place of prayer. And we have to be obedient to listen. Won't you come this morning and let him minister to you? There's nothing more I can say about it. Let him come and minister to you. I've seen the people leave the church and get told a piece of scripture. Well, woe unto the man and whom all men speak well of. Well, okay, that makes me feel better, I guess. But I didn't want to see that soul leave. I didn't want them to be mad at me. I didn't want that to happen. But when somebody else leaves the church, you're a hireling. You're not doing anything to make it right. You understand what I'm talking about? I understand all these things. But I trust in Him. He's the one that called me. He's the one that has called you to be the minister that He wants you to be, to do the work He wants you to do. It might be in song. It might be in Sunday school. It might be with a co-worker that might end up being your husband someday. But they need to get saved because He don't want you unequally yoked. You understand what I'm talking about this morning? Won't you come and pray this morning?